All right, you got your Bible. Open up to Romans chapter uh, 15. Romans chapter 15. This this uh, this volume's good because I don't really need much amplification. You th- you there? <laughs> you there? Romans 15. Romans 15, starting in verse um, starting in verse I think five. Romans 15, starting in verse five. We are we are in a we are in a uh, a series right now. How many even got a Bible? You've got to be kidding me. Is anybody there? All right. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation. New Living is is a translation that uh, is 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 a lot easier, I think, to understand for a lot of us. So um, it's just it's just a little bit more clear. And so I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, "May God." who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Verse 7. Therefore, say therefore. He's talking about being knit together, being fitted together, being uh, uh, um, uh, helping each other, being in harmony with each other. Uh, Therefore, accept each other. Just as Christ has accepted you. So that God will be given glory. Key verse tonight, verse seven. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you you okay let's pray let's pray and ask god ask the holy spirit to help us understand uh what this passage is is wanting to say and 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 also i am burdened for something particular to give you tonight so let's ask god what he wants uh to speak to all of us uh, through me amen let's pray father we thank you so much for your constant love god we thank you for what you've already done and what you're doing and what you're going to do and father we simply ask and pray that you'd help us understand what you've done for us and show us what our life should look like in response to what you've done for us. God, help us to live a life uh, that is fitting. Help us to live a life that is worthy. Help us to live a life that is set apart, not so that we can be fitting or that we can be worthy or that we can be uh, set apart, but because we have been made worthy and we have been made set apart. God, help us to live a life in response to that. We ask, God, that you'd help us to build the community that you had in mind when you died on the cross. We love you in Jesus' name. Not all the time, but sometimes we love you. Amen.
we've been in a uh, kind of a, a series. We just finished a series uh, recently talking about um, Jesus, that, that uh, Jesus is the sum and the fulfillment of everything that we need. We were talking about how uh, it's, it's just all about, uh, it's all about Jesus. You guys remember what that series was, was called? The real Jesus. You know what? I forgot, and you reminded me, so thank you. Uh, yes, the real Jesus was, was the series. So we, we, we talked about how uh, there's so many ideas and philosophies of who they, people say Jesus is, but there's really just one real Jesus, right? And we said that if we encountered the real Jesus, if we, if we encountered him, if we saw him, if we uh, had, a, had an encounter with him, that we would never be the same. Do you believe that? I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here because I'm trying to have an encounter with Jesus. I'm here tonight because I've had an encounter with Jesus. And my heart and my burden is to help us, all of us, including myself, understand more perfectly, more clearly who this Jesus really is. You following me? So that, that's, that's a simple. So, so we went through a series of that, and we got done with that. And the question was, if that's who Jesus really is, and if that's what he really did for us and did to us, and we talk about all those things that he did to us and did for us. If, that's, if this is real, if this is true, then how should I live my life in response to that? I'm not living my life to gain Christ. I'm not living my life to get saved. I'm not living my life so that God might look at me one day and say, man, you finally did good enough. I'm living my life because God has already saved me. I'm living my life because God has already chosen me. I'm living my life because God has already laid his life down for me and brought me into his family. And so we're asking, what does that look like? What should our life look like? So we see in Acts chapter 2, we talked about Acts chapter 2, and what did the disciples do in response to what Jesus did? Well, the first thing that they did is it says, in Acts 2, you can read it, um, verses like 30 through 47. Uh, what happens is Peter gets done preaching. You've heard me talk about this. But Peter gets done preaching after the Holy Spirit comes and crazy things are happening. And, and, and 3,000 people immediately say, I believe in this Jesus. Okay? And they say, but what, what do we do about this? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And so the first thing that these believers did is that they put their faith in Jesus. The first thing these people did, when Jesus did all that he did, the first thing that we're required to do of God is to put our faith in Jesus. But faith is expressed in repentance. And repentance simply means turning away from my sin and turning to God. And the, the second expression of my repentance is being baptized in water. How many have been baptized in water? If you have not been baptized in water and Jesus Christ is your Lord, it's a good thing to do, to show what your life has done. You've been buried with Christ in baptism, and you've risen again to new life. You've been seated with him in heavenly places. And so that's what he said. The first thing he required of them to do is if, if you really believe this Jesus is real, then turn from your sin and get baptized in the name of Jesus, and the, Fa the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the second thing they started to do, the very second thing they started to do is that you, you'll read in Acts chapter uh, 2, uh, verses, uh, four, verse 40, it says that the, the disciples, no, I'm sorry, maybe it's 42. I think it's 42. Uh, the disciples devoted themselves to teaching, the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, and to eating together. And so we talked about the first things that 
that, that we're called to do after God has called us? And what has Jesus done for us? The first thing that God's called us to do is to turn from your sin, get baptized, and commit yourself to a group of people that believe in Christ Jesus as well. Does that make sense? Because we're just pulling it out of context from Scripture. What did they do? What did their life look like? What was, what was reasonable? What was rational for them if this Jesus was really real? And the first thing they did is they didn't say, well, you know, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I'm going to live my own life. But the first thing they did is these 3,000 people who all spoke, for the most part, different languages. Some of them, of course, spoke the same language. It wasn't 3,000 different languages. But for the most part, there were a lot of different languages because these people who had been gathered from all over the world came into Jerusalem, and that one day, and that day, about 3,000 of that big group of people got saved. And immediately, they devoted themselves. Some of them literally sold all their land back at home and stayed in Jerusalem and committed to a group of people. And the first thing God would require of us after we've turned from our sin is to commit to a group of people. The first thing that God would require of you is not to go live your own selfish life that you think God's made you to live, the first thing God is requiring of you is not to go preach the gospel to your neighbor. The first thing that God would require of you is to commit to a group of believers. Amen. Are you following me? And so we're asking the question, if that's our our next series, our next series is this idea of What should a Christian, godly community look like? What did Jesus have in mind when he was hanging on a cross, naked and bleeding for us? What did our Father, God the Father, what did he intend? Did he intend for for church just to be a bunch of people come together and sing songs and listen to some guy yell at them for 45 minutes and that was the extent of their Christianity, or did he intend something far more amazing? Did he intend something that was far more appealing and something far more engaging to the human? I think he intended that we would live fully as human with one another and that we would live a life with each other and share life and share our hearts and our everything with each other in a way that that, that we were actually made for. But those things weren't possible. So we had Jesus. You following me? There's a, there's, a, there's a community that God has in mind. There's a church that, that Jesus desires to build. There's a community that Jesus wants you and I, say me, come on, say me, me, I, and you. (laughs) There's a community that God wants us to be a part of. There's a family that God intended you to be a part of. When Jesus saved you, he grabbed you, and he pulled you into his family. You may not feel it. But it's the truth. And the goal on earth is to walk out on earth what has happened and happening in heaven. And what is happening and what has happened in heaven is that you are with God the Father and you are seated in heaven with each other. But the problem is on earth we're so far 
relationally from each other. And so God desires that we would be close and knitted together with each other. Not to, not to build some big vision, but just to be with each other. In other words, we need each other. God has made us interdependent on one another. I need you as much as you need me, and you need me as much as I need you. So, the devotion to one another these disciples did that consisted of all of the characteristics of love. And these characteristics of love, some have called one anothering. Say one anothering. One anothering. It's, it's kind of a made up, made up Christian word. But throughout the Gospels, and sorry, throughout the New Testament, uh, uh, the apostles, those who wrote uh, the letters of the New Testament, um, you would use this term one another over and over and over and over again teaching the believers, teaching these Christians how they were to relate with one another. You following me? So they would would use things like forgive one another, encourage one another, love one another, bless one another, pray for, you you following me? And so there's there's multiple verses throughout all the New Testament about what our community should look like with one another. Okay, you following me? I'm just, I'm, just laying, I'm just laying down the foundation because we just came back from Thanksgiving and nobody's here last week. So I'm trying to catch us up to help us understand where we're at. So we want to live in this one another in culture. The first thing in a one another in culture is that Jesus Christ must be, as a community, he must be our focus and our foundation. Jesus Christ must be our reason He must be our motivation. He must be what knits us together. He must be our identity. He must be our everything. If this is going to work, if this community is going to work, we must realize who's the one who started the community in the first place and who is going to make the community perfect. It's Jesus. We find common unity, community, common unity in Jesus. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what background you have. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed or what sin you haven't committed. There's one family. There's one church. There's one body. There's one Lord and God and Father over all. And it's founded on one man who is God and his name is Jesus Christ. And so for us to build a healthy community, we must start from this place of not, ha- not it, your, 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 your place, your beginning, your foundation, your starting point cannot be, how can I love somebody? As beautiful as that may sound, that cannot be your foundation. It cannot be your starting point. Your starting point as you build community and as you trade your life, the thing that you wake up to think about must not be, what can I do to honor God today? As nice as that may sound, that is not where God wants you to start your day. God does not want you to make a list of all the things that you want to do for him in the morning. God wants you to make a list of all the things that he has done for you that morning. 
God wants you to make a list of all the things that he is doing for you. And God wants you to make a list of all the things that he will continue to do for you. And if that is your starting point, if that is your base and your foundation, if that is your beginning, you will naturally ask the question, God, if this is true, how can I give my life to bless and to love and to encourage and to pray for other people? You following me? Your starting point, your, your list, if you will, must be the goodness of God, not the goodness of man. I promise, I promise that if you wake up in the morning and you choose to make a list about what Christ has done for you, not necessarily temporarily, because temporarily what he's done for you may be he's put gas in your car. He's put food in your refrigerator. He's given you a house and it's still standing. Those things are all good. Those things are good, but those things are temporary. Yes, God has provided those things. But again, these things are only temporary. If our faith and if our starting point is on something that is temporary, then our thanksgiving and our gratefulness will only be temporary. Are you following me? So again, I'm not saying don't be thankful for food. I'm saying be thankful for food. But let your foundation be that which is eternal. And that which is eternal is that you have been saved. That which is eternal is that you are a child of God. That which is eternal is that you have been seated in heavenly places. That which is eternal is that God by his spirit dwells inside of your body right now. That must be our starting point. That I am saved, that I am redeemed, that I have been seated with Jesus, whatever that means, I want to give my life to study that out. Because that is all that matters. Because that is what is true. That is what is real. Let's make a list in the morning when we make up, when we wake up, of what he has done for us. What he is doing. Again, not temporarily necessarily, but it's, but what is, he, what is he doing right now eternally? You know what he's doing right now? He's making me more like Jesus right now. I'm not, I don't even have to pray and ask him to do it. God, would you transform me? That, I don't even have to ask him to do it. He's just doing it. It was his idea. He started it and he's going to finish it. You know what else he's doing right now? He's continually filling me with his love. And it's not because I read the Bible enough today and I prayed enough today. He's doing it because he promised that he would continue to fill me. You know what he's doing? He's holding me in his hand right now. And he's reassuring me. You know what he's doing? He's defending me to the devil who's a liar and trying to tell me that I'm not a king's kid. And he's doing a lot of awesome other temporary things on earth as well. I'm thankful for my wife and my son, for my baby on the way. I'm going to hear in two weeks um, what the what the sex is, if it's a male or female. You can you can put in your 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 bids and 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 the winner gets. But Gabriel, there's only two options. I know. So the winner, the winners get uh, nothing. Uh, yeah, moose's tooth. Yeah, the winners can buy me moose's tooth. Um, I am so thankful for all those things that God is doing in my life right now. I can't be more grateful than that. But I want you to know, I want you to know, I want you to know that if all that falls away and I lose gratefulness, if my house burns down, God, I pray it doesn't. But if it did, okay, I just bought a house. I don't want it to burn down. But if it did, my prayer is that, God, I pray I'd still be grateful and thankful. Because my foundation is that I'm a child of God. 
And if this physical body gets sick and weak and I'm bedridden for the rest of my life, God, I don't want that to happen. I, pr- I believe you want me to be able to walk around and travel and preach your good news to the world. And so I want to be healthy. But if that happens, God, I'm so grateful because this, this tent, this body is fading away. But my heavenly body is being made perfect day by day by day. Gabriel, these are good things, bro, but I don't feel any of this. I know you may not feel it, but I'm trying to tell you the truth because if you believe these things, you'll live a different life. I'm not trying to sound like, well, I'm not going to say who I'm not trying to sound like, but let make sure our starting point, this is, I'm just summarizing from a message I preached three weeks ago and I'm, I'm running out of time, but I, 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 that's, that's my number one burden, that Jesus Christ is our foundation. He must be our starting point. He must be our baseline. He must be our focal point. He must be the center of our attention. He must be our reason. He must be our motivation. I just tweeted recently, Jesus is the reason for the season. It may be cliche, but it's true. He is the reason for every season. Jesus is that, Jesus is that good. So the first part of our community must be Jesus. You following me? If you wake up in the morning and go, how can I love somebody? If that's your starting point, you're going to get burnt out. But if you wake up in the morning and go, my goodness, look how God has loved me. You see the difference? You see the difference? So we must start out in the right place. The second thing that, that, that helps us build a healthy community is, is exactly what the church did in Acts chapter 2. The very first thing they did, right, is they devoted themselves. You must and I must make a commitment. Say commitment. This commitment's a scary thing when you live in America, you know, because it's nice to just, well, you know, I don't know if I want to commit to Friday because this movie comes out, you know. And so I just don't know if I even want to commit to hanging out with you. So let's just, uh, let's just put that on the back burner. What do you say? And that's kind of how we live our everyday lives. But the truth is that God says, no, I, I want you to make a commitment with each other. The whole New Testament is a covenant. The whole Old Testament was a covenant as well that God made with his people. The whole New Testament is the new covenant. It's a covenant of love with God and with his people. You following me? It's a commitment. It's, it's saying, I'm in. You've heard it said a hundred times. All my chips are in. And I'm not cashing out. Because cashing out would be easy. But I'm finishing this thing through. And I'm here. And I'm part of this body. And I'm part of this family. And I'm part of this community. See, it's easy not to commit. Anybody cannot commit. Anybody can be uncommitted. You were born uncommitted. Only thing you're committed. Well, anyway. You were born uncommitted. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, for real, dog. Good thing I got a filter. You, you were born uncommitted. But when you were saved, God said, would you just commit to believing in me and loving, I'm going to say this again, the hell out of my people. Just keep believing in me and prove your belief by loving my people. You want to prove your faith? Love somebody. That's a proof of your faith. Gary, what's faith? Faith is believing in the person of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he did, what he's doing, and what he is going to do. That is faith. And if you really believe it, you live a life of love. And love begins with commitment. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to being here every Thursday night that I can. And, and it's not because I'm getting paid. 
It's because I'm burdened to be committed to you, to give what I have to give, and to receive what you have to give to me. It begins with, it begins with being committed. You follow me? Okay. So Christ devoted to one another. And then last week, before Thanksgiving, we talked about, and again, uh, these things are being put on podcasts, right, Mike? And so if you do have podcasts, iTunes, the reason why I'm using a mic is not because there's 1,500 people here, because you can tell there's not 1,500 people here. The reason is because I like holding the mic. That's why I don't have a lapel. If you don't know what a lapel is, you can look it up. But uh, I'm holding the mic because I'm trying to record what we're talking about so that we can go and get them whenever we want. And so uh, the messages have been on podcasts, what I've preached, what Andrew's preached, what Reed has preached, uh, what Jesse Meisner has preached. These things are all being recorded. So, uh, so two weeks ago, I talked about uh, the, the other one was listening to one another. We've talked about Christ being our foundation, being devoted to one another, listening to one another was the last one, which ultimately, uh, I don't have time to get into all of it, um, but it just, we're first committed and we're second called to just be and listen to each other. Okay, these are good things. And tonight, <laughs> after my 15, 20-minute introduction, tonight I'm going to teach briefly and cast this idea. Did somebody laugh when I said briefly? Somebody, Gabriel, you, know, you don't know how to talk briefly. I, help me, Lord. Uh, we'll talk about accepting one another, okay, accepting one another. You following me? You following me? I'm committed to Jesus. I'm committed to the body. And I, and I want to be committed by listening to them and also accepting them. We're going to keep on this series for a while. The series is called One Anothering. Okay, tonight, accepting one another. Our verse uh, for tonight is uh, uh, Romans chapter 15, uh, verses 5 through 7. Uh, and, and our key verse tonight is verse 7. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God, um, so that God will be given glory. Okay. Context is really important. Obviously, the book is called Romans. Romans was written to who? Romans. It's a true story. And uh, literally, there were a group of people in Rome that Paul uh, uh, visited um, and preached the gospel. People got saved. Okay, Paul uh, really wanted to go back, but because uh, being imprisoned and many other things happening, he couldn't go back and be with them. Paul, if you're not uh, acquainted with Paul, Paul was, um, was just an apostle. Uh, apostle simply means sent one or messenger of God. Uh, Paul was one guy who was actually killing Christians in the first century. Uh, he was riding a horse or a donkey on the way to Damascus. And on the way there, God knocked him off of this horse uh, as he was among other people, this donkey thing. And, um, and as he's sitting there, he, 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 the Lord speaks to him. And, and, and literally, Paul was riding to Damascus to arrest and kill Christians. And as he's doing this, as a, as a strong, committed, devoted Jewish man trying to defend the Jewish people, uh, he, he gets knocked on his horse, his light comes out of the sky, and his voice speaks, and Paul is blind for three days. And a man comes named Ananias, uh, or not Ananias, I can't think of his name, his horse with an A, and prays for Paul. Paul's eyes are healed, he's able to see, and this man tells him, bro, you're the real deal, God's got a great call for you, just, you're crazy. And so for the next three years, Paul goes out into the wilderness, seeks Jesus and studies and commits to a group of people that helps him understand Christ. But really, uh, it was just Jesus speaking to him pretty much for three years. Um, and then Paul comes back and starts traveling all over the known world preaching the gospel. Okay, that's Paul. 
Paul was his Greek name. Saul was his Hebraic Jewish name. So we call him Paul because we're a bunch of uh, Gentile Greek people. If you're if you're from Jewish background, you can call him Saul. Okay. Paul, I like Paul because I'm I'm Gentile. Oh God. Okay. Paul wrote to Romans. And if you read the book of Romans, it's incredible. It's very beautiful. Paul lays out for us, some call it the Romans road of salvation. He lays out for us, who were we before we knew Christ? What did Jesus do? And then in chapter 12, there's a transitional verse where he says, Therefore, because of all that he has done for you, give your life as a living sacrifice for him. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You with me? And from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to the end of the book, Paul lays out for us what should our life look like since we are God's people. That simple. It's mostly how Paul did all of his letters if you study it out. So Romans chapter 12 through Romans chapter 16 is what our life should look like. There's a lot of commandments and what we should do. It's ultimately just love the hell out of each other. That was pretty much what he kept saying. Chapter 15, Paul says to us, that he wants us to be in harmony, and that God wants us to be unified, and God wants us to be knit together. And if that's what he wants, therefore, he says, accept one another as Christ Jesus has accepted you. Okay. So the question is, if we were accepted, (laughs) if we were accepted, what were we before we were accepted? If you needed to be accepted, okay, then what were you before you were accepted? You were un. You were rejected. If, you, if, you, if you've been received, because your translation might say received. What, what other translations are there? You've been received. You've been accepted. You've been welcomed. You've been taken in, right? Is that what yours says? Taken in. This, this word literally means, I've been studying in it recently, this word literally means it was a word that was used sometimes to describe how somebody would eat food. That when they sat down, they would receive something, and they would eat it, and it would go through their whole, okay. So the word speaks of partaking of something. Uh, that, 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 that scripture could also say, out of the Greek, could also say, partake of one another. Sounds weird. I understand. I'm not saying eat each other, but the the idea and the meaning behind the word is very important that we understand receiving each other and accepting each other doesn't just mean, I receive, I accept you, brother. But there was, something, there was something beautiful about this word that Paul was trying to use. That we have been accepted by God. Meaning that before we were unaccepted. If we had been received and taken in by God, then before we were rejected and not taken in by God. If we have been brought near to God, then that means that we were far away from God. If we have been taken into God, then that means before we were not in God. You following me? There is this, there is this idea in the Gospels that is very clear that we once were darkness and disobedient, and sinful people. Now, yes, we still are. (laughs) But we once were identified that way. And God, in his mercy, God not through a theory, but God through his son, literally reached out, grabbed you personally, 
individually and pulled you into himself and said, I'm committing my life to you. That is real. You have really and literally, individually and collectively been received, been accepted, been taken in. You've owned, you've owned, you've been eaten, if you will. It's weird. It's creepy. But the Bible says that you are in him and that he is in you. Okay, you're following me. Okay, so there's this beautiful idea, and I was hoping that somebody would shout because, my goodness, you were rejected. You were unaccepted. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm shouting because this is good news. That, that seriously, I was, I was going to hell quick. I wasn't getting any younger. And I wasn't coming up with good ideas to change my life. God in his mercy grabbed me and said, no, 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 you're mine. And he brought me in and he still is reminding me every day, son, you're accepted. Does anybody want, you know what it feels like? To be, uh, to be playing dodgeball at recess and you're not picked. <laughs> Thanks for being honest. <laughs> I, I hear you, bro. Some of you are like, not at all, man. I was the best in the whole thinking class. <laughs> there, hear me now. This is crazy. You know, the truth is we all long to be accepted, don't we? I mean, there's something just built in the DNA of who we are. I'm just trying to be real here for a minute. I just really want to be accepted. I heard somebody say recently, you know, I just, I don't really need to be accepted by people. And I was like, dang. For real? You're lying. Because I know you're a human and I'm a human. And we both got the same, same desires. I really want to be accepted. Now, I'm not saying that we live a life trying to be accepted. But I'm saying you have something like we talked about two weeks ago in the DNA of who you are that you were made to want to be accepted. You following me? You were made to want to be accepted. But the truth is, no matter how many people accept you, even if you're Justin Bieber, there's still something in the core and the DNA of who you are that only Jesus, only the Father, only God himself can meet that need in your heart of fully being accepted. The Bible says that you have been accepted. What I'm saying right now is so crucial that, that, if, that, that I pray that, that right now your eyes would be open to this because most of, you, most of us in this room live a life of trying to be accepted. Most of us in this room are so fake because we do everything we can to want to be accepted. And if you believed that you were already accepted, you would not live from that motivation. If you believe that the one who made you, formed you, created you, and will end your life at some point, if you believe that he accepted you, you will have assurance and confidence And you will be strong and sure. You've been accepted. It'll be easy for you to trade your life to love people. But the problem is you can't accept people because you haven't believed that you're accepted. 
So I can teach all night. I can teach all night about what it means to accept somebody, but if you don't believe that you're accepted, all I've done is just given you more jobs to do. You following me? I've just given you more jobs to do. This isn't a job. This is a response to the reality that you're accepted. See, look, the way that God wants us to love each other is, is nothing more than how he's loved us. I mean, even the way he writes it, accept each other as you have been re- accepted by God. Forgive each other, Ephesians chapter 4, just as you have been forgiven by God. Jesus said it this way in John 15, love each other as I have loved you. So our life is, my goodness, I've been so blessed. I'm called to bless. Wow, I've been so forgiven. I'm called to forgive. My goodness, I have been so accepted. My life is called to accept. Wow, God evangelized me. Yeah, so therefore my life is called to be an evangelist. My, my goodness, my God has shepherded me and pastored me and taken care of me. Yes, and my life is called to pastor and take care of people. Man, my God encourages me. Yes, then your life is called to encourage. You've fallen me. God has comforted you. So you're called to comfort. My goodness, is anybody hearing me? Accept each other. Accept one another just as. I was in first grade. Did he say as? I said as. Just as. I was in first grade when I learned this word as. <laughs> at. Leave me alone. I'm just trying to be real here. Well, no, no, no. Listen. I learned the meaning. Okay. The, uh, hi. I can't pick him up again. Okay. Right. Uh as, as, as and like are what? They're, thank, cinnamon? Look, I don't even know what they are, but the point is this. <laughs> Word, <laughs> I don't even go to school. Okay, the point is this. They compare and they liken two things. So the Bible says just and as. If it just said as, it could be, well, it's just a metaphor. But when it says just as, then it's comparing that this thing should be likened to this thing. So if God is saying that he wants you to accept somebody the same way that he has accepted you, then that is a great call. That's that's a call it demands my entire life, and it is not radical. It's rational. It's reasonable. It's logical. Because when, as I consider, and as I set my heart and my mind on this reality that I have been accepted, it is only reasonable for me to live my life to accept people. So I pray that you would understand that you've been accepted. Because I believe if you understand how, how much you've been accepted, you'll give your life to accept people. I don't pray that you'd understand necessarily what it means to accept. God will do that. I, I pray first that you'd understand that you've been accepted. Because I believe that if you encounter the real Jesus, and you understand that the real Jesus has accepted you, you will naturally go, I'm going to give my life to accept people. And it won't be burdensome. Because the Bible says in 1 John that the commandments of God are not burdensome. 
Why? Because I'm motivated by love, and love never fails. If love never fails and love abides in me, then my love will never, ever run out. And if it never runs out, then I'll never get tired. If I never get tired, then it'll never be a burden for me to live the life to accept people. If I ever get burdened in the sense that I get too tired to do this thing, then my focus and my starting point has left Jesus, and it's gone toward what can I do to to be a good person. I hope you follow what I just said. So, I pray that, but if if we're going to talk for three minutes what it means to accept people, just ask the question, how have you been accepted? The truth is, is there's two groups of people in this room. There's those people who are really close, and there's those who are not close. And your job is to find out who is not close and to accept them, receive them, welcome them, and take them in, partake of them in your life. And that starts first in the body, and then it starts as you go out into your communities. You're called to live a life of looking first for lost sheep, children of God that have no community, have no family, and you're called to grab them and bring them in. You know, uh, Bryce was talking about winning our city and taking our city. This is, this is not impossible because God is doing the thing, as Bryce was saying. But it begins with each individual person that starts falling into the body of Christ. If they fall into the body of Christ, and the body of Christ does not accept them, the body of Christ has failed completely and fallen completely short. trying to say two words there. Failing. Fallen completely short and completely failed. I believe that right now you can be two kinds of people. You can be the kind of person that says, well, you know, nobody's really accepted me here, so I'm just going to wait. You know, let's get wrong in that other category. You know, I'm not part of that group. And the, the problem is, <laughs> this is the problem. Read, read. This is the problem, bro. The problem is, is that almost every single one of us in here, for the most part, think that they're not in the accepted group. That's the problem. So if we all just believe we're not an accepted group, we're just going to wait for somebody to accept us. But if you come from the first place, I'm already accepted in Jesus, it will motivate you to accept. Now, if you do believe you're in the accepted group, which I hope that your perspective is clear, because most all of you in this room that I can see right now are pretty knit in with a family here. (laughs) Okay? And if you don't think you are, I pray God would help you to see that you are pretty knit in. And those of us who are, your life is called to be given as a life sacrifice to bring as many people as close to you as possible. You hearing me? What does that look like? That looks like you texting people. I'm not giving you an excuse to just start, you know, trying to get, what what am I going to say? Okay. A date. Um. I'm trying to help us understand, uh, guys, be intentional about grabbing girls. I mean, guys, guys, be intentional about bringing guys in. Girls, be intentional about bringing girls in. You following me? When I say in, I'm not saying into some cult. I'm saying that they long, we long as humans to be brought into a family. One thing to believe that I'm part of the heavenly family, but I want to see that on earth. 
And I want to see every single one of you in here and every single person that's in, this, in our community that is a part of God's heavenly family. I want to see every single one of them that are not a part of God's family on earth. I want to see them part of it. Otherwise, their life is like a living hell. And they question everything. There are so many lost children of God who long to be in a family. And you and I are called to stop being selfish and to be intentional about grabbing people and saying, you're going to come in here and be part of my life and my family. And until you do that, your life will only be but more of a, well, just, it'll just you'll, you'll just feel, always feel unfulfilled until you live this life of accepting people. Would you stand with me? So I hope you hear my heart. I need water. It's really simple tonight. You've been accepted, accept. And and I just encourage you, because you know we I could have I could have uh, I could have focused on anything tonight. I could have focused on how your life should look and how you should accept people. I could have done that tonight. But I think that most of us in here are still stuck in the first part. You know, you know the first part is you don't believe that you're accepted. I mean, you say you believe, but if you really believed, listen, if you really believe that you're accepted, you would naturally accept. It's just the way it is, you know. It's just the way it goes. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you understand. I'm trying to help you be real about this. That if you, if you are not accepting people, it's simply because you don't believe you're accepted. This, you believing, you putting your faith, and the reality that you're accepted, the expression of that is you will live a life of accepting people. Amen. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we thank you so much. You have accepted us and blessed us. God, I thank you that you have received us and taken us in. I pray, Lord, that you'd help all of us understand that more clearly. God, that you'd teach us what it means that you have accepted us. And God, I pray that you'd teach us what it looks like to live that out as we respond to your great love for us. I pray for all those here, God, You'd help them to see how accepted that they are, that you have already drawn them near and that you hold them in your hands. And God, for all those who don't feel accepted, God, that you would move on our hearts to be intentional about making them feel and making them see what is real in heaven. I bless you. I thank you for your people. I thank you that your hand goes before them. I thank you that you have saved us and you've called us and you've redeemed us and you've chosen us. I pray you'd help us to see these truths and live a life of love. Help us to one another each other. In Jesus' name.